Hello, I'm Neil Apt, Editorial Director of Transport Topics. I want to welcome you to today's Live on Web. We are departing from our traditional format, and instead we're going to bring you some interviews that we shot last week at American Trucking Association's Management Conference and Exhibition. It's the first time that we have taken Live on Web on the road, and our focus today will be some of the future leaders of trucking. A little bit later, you will hear from an elite technician from FedEx as well as a driver from UPS. Before that, we're going, to be, we're going to hear from some of the future executive leaders of the industry. Our sponsors for today's chat are Omnitrax and Dossier Systems. Our first interview today is with Dustin Cole. He's Vice President with Total Transportation of Mississippi. I first met him during the summer, and he asked me an interesting question. What is Transport Topics doing to attract younger readers to transport topics. I never had actually quite thought about it in those terms, as opposed to what are we doing in terms of attracting younger people to the trucking industry as a whole. So I thought he would be a good person to start with in terms of what the industry is going to look like moving forward. Let's go ahead to the clip. Okay, I'm here with Dustin. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I want to start with a little bit about your background. You're with Total Transportation of Mississippi. Yes, Why don't you tell correct. us a little bit about the company, a little bit how you got started in the trucking industry. Sure. So currently I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Total Transportation Mississippi, located in Jackson, Mississippi, although I spent much of my time in Loudoun, Tennessee and East Tennessee for about nine years. Um, but I got started with, uh, we'll say, total transportation and trucking uh, when I was in college. I was actually a server at a steakhouse, uh, <laughs> majoring in finance, never intended to get into trucking. Um, I met the president and CEO of our uh, uh, company, and we just kind of struck up a relationship. He told me that uh, when I graduate, to give him a call and that he would have a job waiting for me. So I really enjoyed the guys that um, he came to the restaurant with and just kind of gave me a picture of what they do on a daily basis and truly how they move America. Mm -hmm. So I was a December grad and called him up and he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I want to be a salesperson in trucking. And he said, well, boy, you don't know anything about trucking because I'll make you an appointment clerk. I said, an appointment clerk, I have a college degree. He goes, I don't care what you've got. You come work for me, I'll put you as an appointment clerk. So he hangs up the phone, and a couple of weeks later, I end up going to work for him, and that's what he did, um, put me as an appointment clerk. So the first takeaway is that you don't necessarily need to know a lot about trucking yes. to get involved in trucking. Correct. All right, well, that was the case with me, too, with Transport Topics, so it's good to know it works on the other side. So you're, you were part of the first lead ATA graduate program, the first class of first graduates. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about how, especially with the first class, you learned about the program and got involved sure. about the program? So you'd be happy to hear that I actually learned about the LEAD program through Transport Topics. All right. Um, yeah, a weekly subscriber actually came to my house. My wife and I read it on a weekly basis. We were going to the pool on a Sunday and lo and behold, opened it up, saw the ad, just caught my attention. One, you saw young people for the first time in Transport Topics and saw the opportunity uh, for development, which lead leadership, engagement, um, advocacy, and development. So I immediately reached out to my boss and said, hey, I want to do this. And he thought I was crazy at first, but the more he learned about the program and seeing the challenges that the industry was facing of recruiting young people and retaining, he said, sure, why not? So there have now been a, a second graduating class, and we heard here at, at MC&E the uh, introduction of well, the third class that we figure will be graduating next year. Now you've had a little experience, a little, you're a little removed from the program. What are some of the takeaways as you look back that have been the most useful to you to take from a classroom, from a, a practice, from something you did that you've taken into the sure. real world to be successful at the, in the industry? So at Total Transportation, we're at 800 trucks, or approaching 800 trucks, I'll say. When I started, we were about 400. Um, so really over the last couple of years, being exposed to the ATA and the LEAD program, opened our eyes to the different resources um, that they had, whether it was the legislative and regulatory or opening our eyes to social media, which gave us more comfort and confidence um, to kind of portray that to the industry and our customers. Um, so really that helped us accommodate some of that growth over the last couple of years mm -hmm. too. So great resources for us. We had a grassroots effort with our social 
social media and driver engagement. We did not know anything about Facebook uh, or Twitter or LinkedIn. And certainly the ATA and the lead program specifically uh, helped us a lot through that. All right, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the driver shortage, also technician shortage. Uh, you also talk a little bit about uh, the online world, which we'll get into. Sure. Uh, we, we've, it's well established, yeah, the driver shortage, there's a technician shortage. I wanted to ask you before that, is there going to be a younger executive shortage one day that you're gonna to have to help solve that puzzle as well? Might sure. that happen? I think that is real with the executive shortage and the technician shortage too. Uh, but I, I can speak on behalf of just recruiting at colleges across the Southeast and the Midwest um, and seeing that um, many of these college grads, they think of going to work for Amazon or Coca-Cola. And when I speak to their classes or do interviews, I explain, well, you can go work for an Amazon or you can work for us and work with all these shippers and major fortune uh, 500 or 100 companies. So it's a really cool opportunity that we have working in transportation to really see how the economy moves and works. And, you know, I think once people hear that story or these young college graduates, they kind of change their mind a little bit. Uh, but what we've seen too, when they come into the industry, um, people like to make fun of millennials, but millennials are bright. They like some autonomy and freedom um, as well. Um, but we've got to learn in this industry to listen to that voice because ultimately that's what they want to hear. And I am a part of that millennial group kind of on the, the back edge of that. And I catch myself looking at these characteristics and I identify with that. I mean, so we really have to listen and engage this millennial group because that really is going to be the next generation that leads trucking. And you say listen uh, to that, the voice, but is part of that voice, you mentioned social media, is part of that voice not actually necessarily an audible voice yes. but a voice that is on a phone or an iPad a computer screen is that a major piece as you view it to the puzzle in, in solving all the shortages and recruiting that next generation of talent it really is I mean we're in an age or culture that you want information just immediately and I think when people are on Facebook or certainly Twitter they get that information quickly and I'm sure you see that in your world of transport topics but that's how people, young people or millennials, make up their mind about companies and industries. They want that information quickly. And so as you go work for a company, whether you're driver or internal staff, I mean, they want to know what your company's doing quickly. I mm -hmm. mean, in small bites as well, but we've got to be consistent in that too. Is it more than just job openings? Is it about helping someone learn about the company culture, about things that you do? I mean, can you, can you expand a little bit more on how social media and just a complete online presence can, can sure. sort of help shape uh, uh, the company culture or provide mm -hmm. a, a glimpse into the culture if you can yeah, expand so for a little us, that. as I mentioned, our growth, um, our president, John Stomps, is extremely passionate about the industry and his company. And as we grew, he couldn't talk to every single driver. And so it was important for him, for the drivers to see his face, his tone, what was important for him each and every day or week. Um, so he took it to video. I mean, we did the YouTube, then we did Vimeo. And so now we do it on monthly updates and quarterly updates of just what's important to the company and some of our initiatives. I mean, it's important for him to reiterate um, whether it's uh, truckers against trafficking or women in trucking, um, whatever the initiative is, that that's out to our drivers and they're consistently seeing it. So if there was a fleet of, of any size that uh, might be a little behind the times, uh, behind the curve, I should say, you know that, you know what, you're right, I, it's time. It's 2015, sure. 2016, I need to get involved, need to do it. How do I go about it? What do I do? What, do you have any advice for an executive that might be looking for a step one in terms of creating this online and social media presence? Sure. Um, you know, working for, I'll say, a, a good old boy trucking company, um, the, our management, our leadership was scared of that. Uh, a little bit intimidated, I think they would tell you now, but don't be. Um, this is the world we live in. We've got to jump out there, just kind of engage that, and I would reiterate just to listen. I mean, you've probably got some younger people in your company uh, that have some opinions or ideas. Just cultivate that. Just listen. Not every idea has to be perfect mm -hmm. um, or you have to use it. I can certainly attest that I've had a ton of ideas about social media, um, but they've probably taken a handful of them, but they've worked out great for us. And you're listening to people might be a little younger, but have maybe a bit more in tune with some of this online stuff and have some suggestions how to recruit a friend or a relative sure. or, or, you know, a younger sibling. Yes. So you seem like you may be in the industry to stay. Yes. We're in the exhibit hall, which is now open. Uh, all everywhere you look, technology, 
trucks with the latest, uh, some that uh, is still working on to perfect some of this technology. We've talked before, you seem very uh, excited to, to know, to, to witness what, what's happening. Sure. When you look out a decade from now, how dramatically different do you think the technology and these vehicles will be? And what role do you think that also may play in solving some of the uh, uh, shortages on uh, we're facing? Sure. So much of that's going to be dictated by our regulatory landscape. And I think you've actually spent some time in an autonomous truck or um, driverless truck. And that's going to be a big part of it, I think, over the next 5, 10, and 15 years. As we are faced with the challenge of filling these seats, you're going to see probably a younger driver. I think there were some discussions today of the 18 to 21 year olds. Mm -hmm. How do you capture that? Um, but first and foremost, safety. I mean, safety is the most important thing in this industry that you have to be safe first to deliver. Um, so with that, it's just going to be making sure that these younger drivers are comfortable. And I think technology is going to play a big part of that. We talk about these millennials, they like technology, but these trucks, I mean, there's some wonderful technology in this room um, that we've seen, whether it be brakes or crash avoidance. Um, but I think that's going to go hand in hand with this millennial generation and safety. Would it be fair to say that with social media and checking in and everyone knowing everything and photos that some of uh, privacy concerns that maybe an older generation may have may not potentially be as big a concern with a, a younger driver that sort of grew up with that and are part of that to say I you know where I, I want you to know where I am yeah. I might not have some of the same concerns but want to embrace that technology and would sure. encourage of that and look at it much differently is that fair yeah, so I actually, I have a cousin, uh, he's 23 years old, he actually drives for Total Transportation, um, and he is one of those guys that engages the technology. I mean, we have apps for our drivers on their phones to kind of check in and see their paperwork and things like that, obviously not in transit, um, as you can imagine. Obviously. Yes, but when he goes to a destination, if he's going to the Northeast or Chicago, he wants people to know where mm -hmm. he's going and what he's seeing. That's important to him. He wants to see America, and I think if we tell that story to this younger generation, that it's not just driving there's purpose behind it you're moving America you can see the country that's how you get these new drivers in the trucks okay well does I want to congratulate you on your being part of that first lead ATA class and I want to thank you for taking the time to sit with us today on live on the web okay thanks for having me thank you again Dustin I now want to move on to Travis Russo he is director of financial services for US auto logistics Travis was a member of the second lead ATA class he formally graduated and was honored with the other with the rest of the class during a luncheon at ATA's conference. Shortly thereafter, we decided we wanted to put Travis's executive skills to the test by having him join us on Live on Web to talk about the future of trucking. Okay, I'm now joined by Travis Russo of U.S. Auto Logistics. Welcome, Travis. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Travis was part of the second lead ATA class, the one that just graduated here at the luncheon at ATA's Management Conference and Exhibition. Uh, he was at, Las at San Diego, excuse me, last year as part of the second class, and that was the start of the year that culminated Started here a great today. year. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the program, why you joined the program. Sure. And if you could tell us a little bit about the progression throughout the year and some of the things you did leading up to graduation today. I can do that. So uh, for us, or for me rather, um, joining the program was an opportunity to learn more about the industry and really um, leverage uh, what ATA has to offer in terms of networks and support at the state and federal level. Um, and our, our business right now is in growth mode and I'm relatively new to the industry. So for me, it was a unique opportunity to expand uh, my knowledge and my contacts. And, and again, to leverage them as I continue to um, think about ways to, to grow and continue to manage the business. You said you're relatively new to mm -hmm. trucking. Uh, what's a little bit about, uh, what's a little of your background, how you sure. ended up in this chair today? Uh, so um, this is my fourth year in trucking. Uh, before that, uh, I was in um, a, uh, semiconductor industry, consumer products and publishing. So my background is finance and accounting. Uh, I was able to, to utilize that to jump into different industries. Um, this particular opportunity came up a few years ago 
and the, our strategy or our management strategy was to diversify our portfolio of OEMs. Uh, we are a new car auto haul company, and at the time we had about 200 uh, drivers. Uh, today we have around 600 associates. Um, so we've done a phenomenal amount of growth since 2008, really the antithesis of the overall macroeconomic environment. And it was just an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So in part of this growth, what are some of the secrets you had to, to grow in so much as a company? I yeah. know you don't run the company, but <laughs> no. maybe, you're, hey, you're a lead ATA graduate uh -huh. now, so you can speak on any topic. Sure, so yeah. What, what is, how did this growth happen? Uh, first, we underwent a name change, so we wanted to uh, let our OEMs and our dealerships know that um, we were not going to be hauling one particular OEM, but rather be agnostic. Um, we underwent that, and uh, after that, we really leveraged the talent that we had in the organization. Without that, we would not be successful. Uh, we do believe uh, we have the best drivers in the industry, and our CSA scores would certainly reflect that. Um, and so, again, leveraging the talent that we had or continue to have in the organization um, and utilizing that to grow the business um, uh, is what we did. Now, I know off camera you were saying you didn't necessarily have that much of a background of talking on camera, but you seem to be doing a, a pretty, oh, nice, you, yeah. pretty nice job of it here. <laughs> this is new now, to me. I, I, well, sure. that's, that's what I guess part of this Lead ATA program is. Uh -huh. I, I know you mentioned that media training, and we saw in the videos that they also showed during the luncheon today. Media training is one example of, of one piece of the Lead program. If you could talk a little bit, as someone who feels that they're new and inexperienced at this, seem to be working. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, media training that went on as part of this? Sure. So uh, one of the events was media training. Uh, we got to learn how to read a teleprompter, for instance. Uh, no teleprompters here. None so today. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, no, we got to do that. We got to learn uh, you know, uh, about what to wear, um, about what to say, what not to say. Uh, as an example, no comment is unacceptable, right? And so those are techniques that I didn't have and skills I didn't have before. And now I do, and, and again, being able to uh, leverage the ATA for that has been a phenomenal experience for me. As part, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Another one I'd like to mention is we got one-on-one -on -one time with CEOs, and you know I report to the CEO today, and, and I admire him uh, tremendously, but getting different perce perception from other CEOs helps, because I can use that information, have that conversation internally with my own colleagues, um, and again, leverage that to manage and run the business. So. That was also a unique experience for me, is you know, getting the opportunity to sit one-on-one -on -one with these guys, have conversation, pick their brains, what worked, what hasn't worked. Um, you know, you're certainly never 100% successful, right? It's a probability game. And so um, learning from their past experiences is gonna be a huge benefit for me so, forward, and our company. And just for anyone who might be watching, whether a top executive or someone may be considering down the road in, in the lead ATA program, this is something, uh, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, there's quite a bit of work throughout the year. There are certain set meeting places, like in most cases, a conference like this, and it gets blended in into the work. It is a commitment, and there are certain ones you seem like you're able to sort of get through everything, and along the way have some pretty unique experiences. I think you went to, we went to Arizona for the ATA summer leadership meeting and a couple others. Anything else besides the media training that really stands out as you look back on your year? Again, I would cite the Arizona trip where we, we got one-on-one, -on -one, um, well, we got uh, FaceTime with the CEOs. Mm -hmm. That for me was um, a really good experience. Um, in addition, learning about all of the things that ATA does at the state and federal level, you know, actually going to the Hill and having conversations with our representatives. Um, was That's it, something going to the Hill you had never, would have never, never done, done would never think to do uh, and talk about just to, huge opportunity and an experience where when you're there, you can see it and know how it works. You just you can speak to it a lot more moving forward, right? Um, and experience is everything. And it was just a phenomenal experience. Um, and I really thank the ATA for, for giving me that. I want to change the subject slightly. We, I've talked with a few other people about social media. I know that's something you're involved with on some level, maybe slightly different than, than others I've talked to. Uh, in the moving forward with whether it be drivers, whether it be technicians, whether it be anyone in a trucking 
fleet or a supplier, we're moving towards an, an online world faster and faster, especially with the younger generation. I wonder if you could share a little bit about what you do for the company uh, involving social media and online, and what role you see it's going to play to solve some of the shortages that are facing the industry. Sure, so as part of our name change strategy, we wanted to uh, utilize all media platforms that we could to get our brand recognition out, right? And so we did that for various reasons. One, we wanted to uh, highlight how great our associates are and how they make us unique, differentiate us in the industry. And so the first step was to really understand what these social media platforms are. You know, and that's a complicated step on its absolutely. own. Absolutely, and I don't. I'm not on Facebook personally. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how to use these things, right? And so, it's like anything else when you implement it: plan, 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 plan. And so, what we wanted to do is really understand what each uh, each platform offered, how they were being utilized by companies today. Was it a you know a, a media outlet? Was it a revenue generation outlet, uh, etc. And so. It was getting that broad comprehension for the management team and then really devising a strategy. And I think we've done that and we've been very successful with that. So in a, on a general level, a company of any kind may be very different from yours that might be thinking about we need to start on, on social media and online or certainly improve it. Do you have any advice that you would give? In I do, I do. So well, that's why <laughs> we, you're here, so share. Uh, sure. So the first thing, like I said, is getting an understanding of what these what these platforms are. Mm -hmm. um, the second would be, at least for us, the trial and error. I mean, you're not going to be 100% successful, right? But know what you're going into and, and, uh, and have a strategy around it. And for us, it was, okay, are there any internal associates that want a development opportunity that uh, we can leverage within the organization to inform management on what these platforms are and how we can utilize them, and we did that. And uh, that gave that, that person uh, an opportunity to grow. And then from there, we were able to devise incremental strategies where we said, okay, maybe it's time to go external. We've got a lot of acceptance now. We're seeing a lot of traction with these platforms. Um, our driver community is using it. Our associate overall community is using it. Not only that, but their, their communities within their communities. So we started to see that grow and proliferate through these platforms, um, and we eventually made it a dedicated resource, and it's it just uh, promoted our brand and our people leaps and bounds. So we're very excited and happy with where we are with it right now. And, and we're really, we're really, we're pushing you know our live well, drive well campaign um, through these platforms, and it's just it's been amazing for us. Uh, finally, at, at the luncheon today, just where you graduated, they introduced a third class. If you had one piece of advice as they start this year-long journey, which we think would culminate at next year's sure. uh, ATA conference in Las Vegas, what would that be? Uh, it's like anything else. Um, go, go for it 110%. Um, you're only going to get in, you're only going to get out what you put in. And my advice to them would be, uh, this is a unique opportunity that's going to happen once in your career. Leverage it. Um, build your networks. Uh, understand what the ATA has to offer for you personally, and more importantly for your, your company and, and your associates, and you will be very successful. All right, well, I want to thank you, Travis, for taking the time to join us today on Live on right. Web, and congratulations Thanks on Thanks again for having me, this program. was great. Yeah, I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Travis. Next, I want to turn to Eric Voss. He's a technician with FedEx Freight, and last month he was named SuperTech Champion during the TMC competition at their fall meeting. Our interview was filmed in the exhibit hall, but prior to its opening. I want to thank the security staff on hand, as well as the patience shown by the exhibit hall workers in order to help us get this interview done with minimal interruption. For Eric, who I first met at the competition in Orlando in September, he has an interesting story to share about how a change in his own studies led him down the path of a technician, and how he personally views a responsibility of recruiting the next generation to the profession. Okay, I'm here with Eric Voss, the TMC Super Tech, Super Tech Champion for 2015. Thank you for joining us this morning, Eric. Thank you for having me. We're in the exhibit hall just after the Sunday morning breakfast, uh, the awards breakfast, where included was honoring, recognizing the uh, winner of the Truck Driving Championships, as well as 
the SuperTech competition. So Eric, welcome. And, and how was that breakfast? What was it like being up there and being recognized by some of the trucking industry leaders this morning? It was a nice breakfast. Uh, getting up there on stage was kind of intimidating, seeing all those people just uh, applauding me and uh, just congratulating me was pretty cool. So mm -hmm. I was happy to be here today. So we'll get into SuperTech in a minute, but let's get a little into your background so people can know a little bit about you. How did you get involved in trucking and, and, and become a, a technician with FedEx Freight? Well, I started out at going to Boise State University. Uh, I was going for a mechanical engineering degree, and I decided I didn't really want to sit behind a desk all my life, mm -hmm. and I was really good with working with my hands and building things and repairing things. So. Uh, I went to Diesel Tech mm -hmm. School there at Boise State, and uh, I was working the dock at FedEx Freight while going to school, and I transferred right over once I got my degree, mm -hmm. uh, and been working on trucks and trailers and Congears ever since. So, how long have you been with FedEx Freight in total? Uh, Eleven years. Eleven years, and you are you live in Boise, Idaho now. We're in, coming from we're taping this in Philadelphia. You came all the way from Boise in part to be part of this uh, breakfast today and to be recognized. Yes, I did. So what is a typical day like for you as a truck technician for people that might not really know what you might do day to day? Um, it changes from day to day. I work on trucks uh, some days. I work on trailers the next day, con gears, uh, forklifts. Mm -hmm. uh, on the trucks I usually have a lot of electrical issues, uh, more and more, It's and then preventive maintenance and things like that. Trailers, preventive maintenance, tires, doors, uh, gears, you have a bunch of other repairs, uh, pretty much the same as trailers, except mm. for uh, doors and things like that. So it's uh, different from day to day. So you mentioned electrical issues uh, that uh, I know the trucks, we talk about it in our programs and our coverage, becoming so much more complex than they were a, a not all that long ago. This is what you do is much more than dealing with tools. You certainly can, can get your way around there, but there's also a lot of this, elect with the electronics, a lot of computer-related stuff that you are have to be familiar with. It's pretty a pretty wide range of skills, I guess, a, a top technician would need. Would that be accurate? Oh, yeah, that's definitely accurate. Uh, I, I think I use a computer about 75% of the time. 75%? Yeah, it, it's quite up there. I mean, when you're dealing with trucks, you're always in the computer. Uh, if you have ABS issues on trailers, you're on that. Uh, so it, it's a higher number up there. So, so you, it would be fair to say computer skills would be an absolute requirement these days to probably be a, a, a very successful technician besides just in the past it'd be thought of as just sort of working with tools. I would agree, yes. Uh, like I said, using it daily in and out of uh, preventive maintenance. So. It's definitely a skill you need to have. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this SuperTech competition. Uh, how did you get started in SuperTech? Um, back in 2006, uh, my boss really pushed me to go to this uh, competition. So I took the test through our internal competition, and I did very well. Made it to SuperTech. Don't know where I placed the first year, honestly. Uh, but that's how I really started. Got, uh, my manager really pushed me to become mm -hmm. better at what I do. So, and ever since then, I've been trying to push myself to be better and better. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, if I remember correctly, you've done it nine times now total. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And prior to this year, you finished as high as second place overall. Correct. Right. But this year at 2015, which was in September in Orlando, and. We're going to put the story up, uh, our coverage. Uh, I was there to, to witness uh, uh, Eric winning. going to put that up on the screen so people can access it. We talked a little bit about what made the difference this year to go from second place to first place. You did some studying, if I recall. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I just hit the books a little harder this year, honestly. I mean, I'm really good with my hands and uh, knowing how to repair things, but it's more of uh, using the repair manuals mm -hmm. and following each step. And that's what they really look for at uh, SuperTech to see how you can actually apply your skills uh, following directions. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the competition? I know it goes over multiple days, and there there are steps to it. You can tell us a little bit about the actual process of competing in SuperTech. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sunday we have an ASC test, 100 questions. Uh, then we move on to day two. All the technicians go there, and we start with uh, 12 stations and they're basically handwritten tests, uh, not really hands-on, but a little bit. 
then uh, the top 119 from day one, they go over to day two. So, and that's where all the hands-on and uh, trucks and trailers come into play and you start actually working on the mm -hmm. trucks and diagnosing mm -hmm. whatever station you're working on. So it's a pretty big competition. So I remember at the end, uh, at the luncheon, after it's all over, they start announcing winners. A lot of these individual stations, they, they announce all the winners of one at a time. And, yeah. and we talked afterwards. You didn't actually, work, didn't actually finish first in an individual station, but one overall because of a consistent performance. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised a little bit as it was going on that he didn't hear your name and then to also hear your name called as a winner? Was that a little surprising how it played out? Yeah, it was real surprising actually. Uh, I was real nervous when they didn't call my name. I, I was hoping I did really well on at least one station. Uh, but like you say, being consistent throughout the competition mm -hmm. is really what pushes you over the top. So it's not worth or not uh, being a hundred percent every station and winning it it's actually just being consistent that way you have your highs and your lows but be now, there fedex freight has did very well fit won the team competition multiple station individual station winners second place third place have had grand champions uh, tmc super tech champions in the past has has performed very well so there's some very very tough competition even within the fedex freight family Yep. in terms of uh, on the technician side. So they had some, some, some good-hearted good internal competition going on at the same time, right? Oh, yeah, we have a really hard internal competition. Uh, we always try to, uh, we always jokingly uh, try to beat everybody else. I mean, it's still a competition, but as a team, we are always a team. So, and that's the biggest thing that we try to do, uh, be a team there and then support everybody to be a better technician in our company. Now, being there before the winner was announced, they, they, they put on the screen quite an interesting list of prizes for the, for the champion. And many of the individual station winners, lots of very impressive stuff was given out from donations, supporters, what, uh, sponsors, whatever the case may be. For the, the, the Super Tech winner, it was quite a list. I, I left thoroughly impressed. <laughs> Is there any, any one or two that, that you uh, won from your performance that really stand out in your mind? You want, you want to share and entice other people to get involved yeah. over some of these prizes? Yeah, there, there was a Snap-on toolbox worth about forty-five to $5,000. It's a customized paint job on it. It says TMC 2015 mm -hmm. National Championship. Uh, there is also a trip to, uh, to Daytona 500 for two mm -hmm. that is sponsored by TMC. So I get to go there next uh, spring. Mm -hmm. for, and then uh, there's also the Dream Garage. It's basically a bolt bin, uh, cabinets, and uh, some rolling drawers. And it's worth quite a bit of money, actually. Uh, and then you get uh, money to restock it for a year. So it's, those are the biggest. Very impressive. Very, yeah, very impressive uh, prizes right there. So. And how was the reaction back at home uh, with the family, back uh, at work? What, what was the reaction when you came home as, as the new winner? Uh, my wife was really happy for me. Uh, I have a sign outside of our little town. I live in Parma. It's a real, real little town community. And they uh, put out a sign saying Supertech National Grand Champion Eric Voss. And it was real nice to see that so everybody knows uh, who won. And, I'm sure a lot of people don't really know what it is, but it gives them a chance to actually Google it if they have to, to figure out what it is. So it's real nice to see our community kind of do things, little things like that. So, so I, I want to turn a little bit to the technician shortage. While there's a competition and it, it's fun and, and competitive, there is a, a bit of a, a larger meaning behind the competition, I know, from, from TMC side and from the industry side, and that's about this technician shortage. Sometimes I hear about the driver shortage a little bit more there's no question that there is a technician shortage. Uh, and one of the things that came out of the meeting, uh, the TMC meeting, where the Supertech competition uh, took place was about getting active about uh, finding technicians. And one of the solutions that came out was discussed, it's not that this was new, but to more actively reach out to schools, mm -hmm. uh, even as far down as high school, and, and really reach out to them directly. I know, I believe that's something you agree with, and I think something you want to get involved with, plan on getting involved with. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I believe that getting out there uh, to the high schools is one of the biggest things, uh, showing that there is a shortage. So basically you can go to college or your two-year program or one-year program even and pretty much walk into a job. I mean, it'll be an apprenticeship job most likely, but uh, you pretty much have a job right, right out of school. And I know from pers uh, some 
friends of mine that have actually gone to a four-year college and they can't even find a jobs for uh, different uh, careers. So it's kind of nice knowing that after your uh, degree, you can walk right into a job and uh, start making money. So is, is it as much informing uh, uh, students, whether it be high school or a technical or trade school, of the jobs available? Is it also in part helping, helping to show what the job itself is, that it might not be exactly what they're thinking. You talked earlier about the computer skills to show them the depth and scope and the excitement that you feel that this job can offer. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you, you need to show them that yeah, you can walk into a job, but you also have to show them what you, you kind of need to expect in the job. Um, so moving forward, I think even in high school and college, you actually need to uh, have a technician go. I mean, it's really good to have them actually interact with a technician. Uh, to actually see what they actually go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So, What advice might you give a teenager that <clears throat> might be unsure of a, a, of a technician or just really, which way do I want to go in life? And I don't, I'm so young, I don't need to decide, but they hear about it, he or she mm -hmm. hear about it, might be interested. What advice might you give them regarding a, a career as, as a technician, especially within the trucking industry? Uh, first thing is, uh, I would say is, you need to uh, decide what you really want to do. Nobody else can make that decision for you. It's your life, so go for whatever you want to do. Uh, next, I'd say, if this is really what you want to do, then put all, both feet in and jump in and go for it, so. Uh, trucks are changing very, very quickly here as we look in the exhibit hall, which hasn't even formally opened yet. I, I see some of the trucks around, even from a few years ago. I mean, it, it really changing very quickly. How do you see the job of a truck technician changing in the next decade or so? Uh, there's too, so many variables, actually. Uh, there's more and more computers coming on each truck nowadays, so you're going to need more computer skills. Uh, you're just going to have to stay up with the technology. You're going to have to train yourself. Uh, maybe some companies might train you, but you still need to ex do your uh, own training as well uh, to stay on top of it. So as far as that, I think that's the biggest thing that's going to change. I know we're 11 months away from next year's Super Tech competition, but I, I would guess that you're planning on going back to defend your title. Would that be a fair assumption on my part? Uh, yeah, I believe I will be going to defend my title next year, so it will be a good competition once again. So okay. hopefully in Raleigh it will be a little different, a little different venue. So. We will see uh, new technicians there. So everyone else out there watching this better start studying and practicing today because you come and prepare to defend next year. There we go. All right. Well, Eric, I want to congratulate you again on being 2015 TMC Super Tech Champion. I also want to thank you for taking a few minutes to join us today on Live on Web. Thank Thanks for you. having me. Thank you, Eric, and congratulations again. For the final interview today, I want to turn to Paul Seville. He's a driver with UPS Freight and a member of America's Road Team. I had the opportunity in July to spend a day with Paul and Bill Lazarski, a longtime driver of nearly 40 years for UPS. We tested out some safety technologies together. I had thought that I was going to be the one a little intimidated by everything I was asked to do. It was, in fact, as Paul shared with you, the drivers, the professional drivers that were, that were much more antsy about the process because of all the safety training that they have. Additionally, in this extended interview, Paul shares some personal stories of his time behind the wheel. Okay, I'm here with Paul Seville, a road team captain, a driver for UPS Freight. Thank you for taking a few minutes to be with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with some of the background. Why don't you tell us how, you, how and why you became a truck driver and, and how long you've been doing this? Okay. Um, I, I really, it was really kind of by chance. Uh, I was actually in warehousing, was a warehouse manager, uh, and really was going in that direction. But the company that I worked for lost a big account, so they just closed that warehouse. So my sales rep at Overnight said, we need help over at overnight. So I went over there and, and, and started there and I really, I just, there's something about it. I knew that I really liked it. And I went out and got my CDLs and my first week of driving, I knew without a doubt that that was what I wanted to do. Mm. That I wasn't gonna look back. Um, 
and throughout my just even driving even soon after that, I, I just I just knew that um, I, even after my career, even up to this point, is I know that I don't even see myself retiring from driving. I know that someday I got to retire, but it's going to be with a tear in my eye, and that's how much it's I part love. of you. It's yeah, part of who it, you it, are it, it and what is. you want to do. It's, and, not, it's and, more than just a, a job to you. It's part of, of who you are and part of your life. I yeah, guess and, and you know, and, and when I look back, I really thought that when, when I, you know, the, the warehouse shut down, uh, you know, I thought, what am I going to do? And I just had no idea of, of um, the path that was going to lead me to and how much I was going to love this. Uh, you reference overnight. That's overnight transportation yeah. that was purchased by UPS and now we, the longtime LTL that's now UPS Freight. Yes, that's correct. Yes. So, uh, how long have you been driving in total? How many miles has that added up to approximately? Um, well, I, I don't drive over the road, mm. so I drive local uh, pickup and delivery. I've done that for about 17 years. I've been with the company for 18 years. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've got about 500,000 miles in, in the city. And what some of that um, local pickup and delivery entails is just I have about maybe eight to 10 deliveries and probably somewhere around that many pickups every day. They could be to convenience stores, construction sites, hospitals, residential areas, warehouses. So I really have to be really mentally prepared every day when I go in and work. I don't know what's uh, what's going to happen, where I'm going to go. But is that part of the enjoyment that it is yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, that you have some yeah. predictability in in your route, but also it's a different experience every it's day. Is that yeah. part of the enjoyment? Yeah, you're exactly right. You I, mentioned city. What what area you you, you drive? Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, so you're a road team uh, a captain. You're wearing right. this lovely blazer here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the program? how you got involved in it uh, and um, what your experience was like during the active time you were a captain and how it's been since when you're a veteran of the program. Okay, um, how I really got involved in it was I had some good mentors. Uh, and how I got those mentors was I kept asking them every day, you know, what are you doing? And, and, and these were competitor drivers. And I guess they got tired of me asking them, and they said, you know, you need to go compete in the truck driving championships. I said, well, I can't do that. I don't, I'm not good enough. He said, no, it's not about, it's not about winning. It's about learning. And, and you can learn all, about all the safety stuff you're wanting to know. I said, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, they came over to my yard and set up a, a course and, and uh, showed me everything to do. And when I told them, hey, okay, you can practice with, with our equipment. And they said, no, we, we just came over to help you. And, and I realized that day the driver that I wanted to be and that, and that even though we were all competitors, that we had a common goal was to help each other mm -hmm. make it to our most I important I hear that quite stop. often with the truck driving champions. As competitive as it can be, that there's also this camaraderie element yep. that, that's very and beneficial to everyone once everyone goes back to sort of their... Their, their normal lives once right. the event is over. And then so during that process, so now I knew the driver I wanted to be, um, going out on my route every day, I, I went under that sign, that uh, the fatality sign on the mm -hmm. highways that, that said total fatalities last year, fatalities so far this year. And every time I went under it, um, the, the numbers would go be more than the previous day. My heart would just sink. And, and I knew it was someone's grandmother or grandfather or a mother father or even a child and and I just I didn't want to go under that sign and that be my family member my wife or my daughter or my mom you know so I wanted to do something about that number and and I went into work one day and I seen a, an America's road team sign on our our wall it says do you want to be on this team fill out an application and and I read what it was about about you know, go around and talking about safety. And, and I thought, this is my opportunity. This is how I can make a difference in trying to get that number to zero. And I met some road team captains at the truck driving championships. 
and they told me how to uh, fill out the application, you know, what I really needed on it, and, and I really kind of already had a start on some of that, but I still needed a few years to kind of build mm -hmm. on, on my application, and, and that's what I did. So for, for three or four years, I, I, just, I just tried to make my application look as, as, as good as it could because even then, I looked at that team and I thought, there's no way I can get on that team. Uh, you know, these guys are, are really... But here you are. And, and yeah, and so um, once we get on the, once I got on the team, it's just been one of the greatest experiences of my life. And it's everything that I wanted to do. And I've been able to go around and just talk about, you know, the safety of, of um, sharing the roads with family. Uh, been able to be able to talk about the image, the essentiality, the sustainability, um, and and it's just been uh, all the different neat things I've been able to do. I think some of the some of the neatest things I've done is is talking to kids, and and you know you get them in the truck and you start kind of showing them some of these safe driving techniques. But you know, their eyes really light up when, when you know, when, when I get behind the wheel, you know, I have a responsibility to look out for other people's lives. But I also set the example of safety. And, and they may not have driver's license yet, but they learn a lot from the back seat. So when I ask these kids, you know, uh, you watch your mom and dad drive, and you did that up to this point, and you know, were they texting, or are they paying attention, or they, you know, they all start telling me all kinds of stuff about whether the, you know their mom and dad is, is a good driver, or, or they're they're texting, and 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 you and you realize that they realize that they can tell they're them picking these things up from yeah, the backseat, and and I see they realize that they can say, hey, uh, I'm in the car you know, set a good example for me, but I'm precious cargo. And, and uh, you know, so it's just, those are, those are some of the, the, just the best moments to be able to just talk to those young minds and just uh, create a, uh, a good path of, of just safe driving techniques. Whether it be a, a young child, uh, maybe their parents, or anywhere in between, when you're out meeting uh, at, at events, showing them the truck, or just speaking with them about what you do and and, and about uh, trucking. What are some of the most common questions, or maybe some of the most random questions that the general public might ask you that you're able to sort of answer for them and give them a, a perspective uh, on trucking? What are some of those things that, that most often you're asked when you're interacting with the general public about trucking? Uh, mostly, um so far this year, and this is, I've just got on the team this year, um, the, the different, we have two different trucks, and one of them is a rolling classroom. So I go in there, most, most of the questions is, what is this? Mm -hmm. and, and then, so I just go in and explain to them the, the driving simulator, uh, what all the trucking moves America forward, um, and, and a lot of them don't know that. They don't, um, uh, they see the truck, but they're not, they're, they don't realize when I, you explain to them about, you know, our clothes or, you know, our camera, uh, our cell phones, you know, that's how we get everything. And that no one wants to be behind the truck, but, but that's how we get everything. So most of them are just, they just ask what we're there for. And, and that's my opportunity to jump in and just start talking about really, you know, the trucking moves America forward. That's what I really start getting into because it really covers everything. And, and whether it is the driver shortage or it's the image, the, the essentiality, mm -hmm. the sustainability, and, and the safety of it. Um, the, and then the other probably most common one is, is when they sit in a seat. Mm -hmm. How do you get this truck around? How do you, how do, you do this? You know, they, when you've seen it from outside and that's then you set, that's one thing. And then when you sit in a seat, that's a totally another thing because, and, and I can relate to that question because, you know, back to when I first started driving in that first week, I did sit at the end of the driveway, mm -hmm. 
about 10 minutes looking at my mares. Boy, that's a big trailer. But, you know. Uh, it doesn't feel so big anymore. But yeah, it doesn't feel so big anymore. So and I apologize. I realize you're a current captain. I referenced a minute ago that you had done it once in a, once a road team captain, always. I, I misspoke about that. You're on the current team. So I, I apologize for that. Truck driver shortage. We know it's there. This, uh, projections are increasing how bad it really may be. I guess you play a role in this interaction in, uh, in the short. I'm just wondering if you could share when you interact with the public, the, their feedback, if you get a sense from these interactions that you may be inspiring some younger people to consider drive, uh, a career as truck drivers where maybe they had not before they interacted with you. Uh, along with just uh, what other thoughts you may have in terms of ways to find the next generation. You're, you're a young driver, even younger than you. Where are we going to find this next crop of drivers? Uh, you know, I, uh, those are very good points. And uh, I wish I had the answer to that question. Uh, but it's, it is a very difficult um, time for the industry as far as driver shortage. But I do think we are doing a lot of things to uh, attract drivers to it. Uh, but there are still some things I think we could do. And some of them as far as um, attracting the driver. And, and, and some of the guys I'm talking to, it's just really it's just customers that I went to. And they've asked me about driving. And they I say, hey, we'll go get your CDLs. Well, I got to go to school. I got to save up for it. You know, they're throwing out all these excuses. And, and then I explained to them that, hey, you know, just call one of these companies. They, mm -hmm. most of them have programs that they will pay for your schooling for you. Very good point. And, and you just sign on to drive with them for a year or two, whatever, whatever it is. And, and I've had some customers do that. And I check, I, I'll, I'll keep in contact with them to make sure you see, ask them how they're doing and how they're liking it. And most of it, every time they, they've texted me back or they call me and say, this is the best decision I ever made. So we need to clone you and put you out there at every job fair <laughs> yeah. and everywhere. That, that's yeah, the answer, you know, we I don't figured know it if, out today. And you know, I don't know if that is something that's really out there, but I do find that, that that's an excuse. I'm saving up for school. And they don't realize that there's a lot of programs out there that will pay for mm -hmm. it. Um, that's an area that will probably grow as, as fleets search for additional ways to, uh, to find new drivers and, sure. and then also to keep them. Some of this uh, buying into the training, assisting with the training, and probably continued training as they, they stay on with the fleet, hopefully. Sure. Uh, it's probably an area that's going to, going to grow. I would imagine. Uh, and, you know, some of the other things is that when we get the drivers on, it's just retaining them. And it's just, if, if a driver's coming to you and asking you to uh, go to his son's baseball game or his daughter's dance recital, or maybe even simply to go out with his wife, or if it's a lady, to go out with her husband. Um, if you're making that significant other happy at home, then you're going to have a happy driver at work. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a... It that's affects a, the whole family. It affects the whole family. Um, you know, if you come home day after day and your, your kid's sitting on the porch because you're sad because you didn't come to his, his ball game, um, that, that has an effect. Mm -hmm. so, you, so, you, so it's important to move the freight, but it's also important that, to remember that that driver has a family. And, and so, you know, again, I, there was a lot of things that this industry is doing and moving in that direction to. It's um, a process. Yeah, it, it is. And, and they're doing a lot of great things, too. Absolutely. Okay, I want to transition a little bit away from the road team and some of what we've talked about. Paul and I, were, we were in uh, uh, Ohio uh, in July at an event uh, um, involving uh, his company, uh, UPS and, uh, and Bendex. Uh, we we're able to test out some safety technologies together. I'm going to admit, the night before, I was sort of freaked out that I'm with going to be driving with a, a road team member and, and another long-time UPS driver. I'm saying, 
I am supposed to get in the, the truck without a CDL <laughs> on this racetrack, and, yep. and I'm supposed to do all this. It was a fascinating day. It was truly one, one of one of the most memorable days I, I've had in the almost 15 years I've been at Transport yeah. Topic. So it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today so we could share a little bit about that. Now, it, it timed with an announcement from UPS where they, they uh, they made the collision mitigation technology standard on, on the Class A tractors moving forward. So there was a, a, a tie-in. We tested more than that. We tested some of the, the uh, braking, uh, uh, some of the rollover, uh, the so collision mitigation. Um, I loved it. Once I got in and I got up the courage, I had a great time with it. You, on the other hand, <laughs> I, I was stunned that you were a little hesitant even more than I was, yeah. to get in there and, and, and they said, go, and step on it and turn and, and, and do these risky maneuvers, I yeah. guess, in a very controlled yeah. setting. Right. But to do this, to test it out, and you were, yeah. you had to convince yourself to do it. So I wonder if you could share with, with the audience a little bit about the day we spent together and the process you went through in your mind about convincing yourself to do it. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I remember that day, and, and I remember you in the truck, and 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 uh, I remember hearing you uh, commenting, and you know, it was it was perfect because I was reluctant about doing some of the things that they were saying, hey, go and do. I we had the you know the instructor do it first. Yes. But and, and very detailed instructions in a very controlled environment. There were a lot of safety measures in place, yeah. but we had to be a little risky to test the technologies out. Exactly. So it really went against everything that I've trained and my driving methods. And, and so, so that's where I was reluctant at, is that I did, that's, and, and I mentioned that the guy, he said, the instructor said, you can go faster. And, and I, I remember one of my comments was, this is very unnatural to me. <laughs> and, and I remember you making a comment about that. And, and uh, you know, I tried going as fast as I could, but I just wasn't gonna go as fast as that instructor. But even then, I was still able to test out these safety features. Um, the vehicle stability system. That was one where we just, we just made a hard U-turn mm -hmm. kind of and, and the brakes, the active braking would, would come on and selectively uh, activate certain brakes to prevent a, right. a rollover. Right. So I didn't do it as fast as that instructor, but I, I made some I of them either, come on. <laughs> and watching it from when you weren't in the vehicle to watch it from the sidelines, you really got a sense as to the preventing the, the rollover. Right. It was a, a very different experience being inside the vehicle where you could sort of feel it, but then to witness how dramatic the rollover could have been without right. the safety, additional set of safety wheels Absolutely. to prevent it from going over, really opened uh, my eyes. And one of the most amazing parts of it was when they had that dummy car, and it, was, it wasn't an actual car, it was just one that made up look like a dummy right. car. And we drove up behind it, I think, maybe 35 miles an hour. I think it was actually 38. I went back oh, and okay. checked. But between 35 and 40, we're and, going and phasing and, what looks like a car. You, go ahead. And, and they said, just keep your foot on the gas and don't don't let up. And, and we're doing that. And, you know, I still wanted to hit the brake, but I didn't. And then the truck, you know, the radar saw the car. And and then the active braking pushed the brakes for you. And, and it stopped about three or four feet before this dummy car. You but, definitely cross that threshold in your mind saying, yeah. this shouldn't be happening. It, yes. it, it, it definitely crossed my mind. That, you get that, past that point where you know something's supposed to be wrong and then it kicked in. Is that is that, was that similar yeah. for you? And, and you know, at any point, I know that I could have taken over, uh, but I let it do its, its, its thing, its uh, process of stopping before hitting the car. And, but I really wanted to put, push my, put my foot on the brake. Uh, but, but in that sense, you know, that whole demonstration really shows how well those safety features work. Um, but even as amazing as those safety features are, and they're going to save lives. And, you know, even that, um, 
fatality sign that, that we see on the highways. It's going to make an impact on getting those numbers to zero. But even saying that, you know, using our safe driving methods, that's our primary safe driving um, tool, which is to move your eyes every two seconds, to check your mirrors every five to eight seconds, you know, to look down the road for hazards, to be prepared for those. Um, you know, that's what's going to get you home safe, keeping a good safe following distance. Um, you know, those are still my primary safe driving methods. And, you know, the, uh, a good way to describe those safety features is it's like a, a paratrooper with a reserve parachute. That I'm still going to do my normal daily routine, use my, my safe driving methods, and now I just have another layer of safety. But I'm not going to make any decisions based on those safety features. For example, if there's inclement weather, I'm going to reduce my, my speed and increase my following distance. That's the two best things I can do. I'm, I'm not going to be able to drive faster because I have these safety features on, on my vehicle. One of the takeaways I remember from that day was uh, a feeling that it had confirmed all of the safe training and background, all of that, to actually be risky and let that technology yes. kick in. It's not about if it's kicked in, it's sort of too late. I remember that one of the takeaways yep. that we talked at dinner that evening and, and, and digested what we had witnessed and, and experienced that day. That that's all that safety, as you just said, is great, but it really confirmed in your mind everything that you had done leading up to testing these things out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, um, uh, I remember the, the unnatural the feeling of it, and then I remember that now you mentioned that, yeah. that that when I was going around it's that, hard that, for me to forget that, it. that you know this confirms all of my training and all of my safe driving methods, um, and and that you know that's what's going to get me home safe, and and oh, go ahead, and uh, you know so that was that was one of the things that really stuck out to me is that you know it just really does confirm all the training that all the um, uh, companies do to train their drivers mm -hmm. and why we should, you know, train and retrain and stay up to date on our training. Uh, just because you get trained once. The uh, technology you know, changes so fast. Yeah. It's changing every year in this exhibit hall. It, it's it's dram so dramatic. Yes. What 12 month period, how much it could change. One one other thing involved that, that I took away and UPS is not alone in this, but we hear a lot about uh, you know, ROI on a lot of the safety equipment and all that, but there are business decisions to be made, but UPS and you're a part of, uh, among a elite group of drivers, I guess we could say that, are asked to test this stuff out in the settings, such as an example that we just did, to get feedback from the drivers before there is any investment. We want to know how the drivers feel about this technology, how they understand it, how it can be implemented through the fleet, how you then can take it and say, yeah, we like it, and, and we know it takes some getting used to, but this is going to work for you. It's going to make everybody safer. It, I was, it was interesting to interact with you about the way that the company reaches out to the drivers to say we need yep. your input at the ground right. level to make sure we're doing the right yes. thing. Just wonder if you could, could expand just a little bit on, on, on that process. I know it's not the first and only time you've been involved in testing safety technologies. Uh, you know, it's, it's some of those, uh, uh, we really do a, uh, a good job at with our safety committees and our involvement in those. Uh, we really do uh, talk to a lot of the drivers and get their input. And, and I would say probably one of the, the safety, on these safety features, we do have these tractors in the system now. And, and one of the things that I have went around and talked to a lot of the drivers about um, is, is, hey, you've got this new truck with these safety features. Did you get training on it? And, and I'll, about half the drivers say, yeah, I got training on it. I know what they are, I know what they do. The other half said, no. I, kind of start going out and it's, this truck's stopping and I'm not sure what it's doing. And, and uh, so, you know, that's, in, in finding out some of that stuff, you can, you can go back to the managers and say, hey, we need, to, we need to make sure that we're talking to the drivers and explaining to them what these new safety features are, make sure we're staying current 
It's an on ongoing. Our, on our this is an ongoing process that includes it's, drivers, it includes safety managers, yeah. includes uh, top executives making the investments and the decisions. Exactly. There's definitely a, a very much a, a, a communication loop that has to go on. Yes, and it has to constantly go on. You can't just just say it one time and and uh, one meeting. It's it's got to. Or make one investment that this yeah. is this is a, a constant process. Absolutely. Okay. Paul, I appreciate you taking this time uh, and sharing that story, especially about, about July, and congratulations on everything you're doing with the road team. And Thank you for joining us on Live on Web today. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul, for taking the time to speak with us. I hope to see you again on the road sometime soon. I want to thank everyone for joining us today on Live on Web. Once again, our sponsors are Omnitrax and Dossier Systems. A replay of today's program will be, will be available on our website, liveonweb.ttnews.com. Additionally, you can watch it on YouTube. You can also listen to it on iTunes. Our next Live on Web is scheduled for Wednesday, November 18th at noon Eastern. We're going to look at some of the technology and equipment that will shape the industry moving forward. I'll interview, our interview guests include Tom McLeod, President of McLeod Software, Derek Rotz, Director of Advanced Engineering for Daimler Trucks North America. And we will be showing highlights from a panel that was moderated during MCE by our technology editor, Seth Clevenger, with an esteemed panel of trucking executives looking at the future of trucking. Uh, I want to thank Joe Terry for his camera work, as well as the TT sales, marketing, and web staff for their support in making today's program happen. I'm Neil Apt, and I hope to see you again on Live on Web.